Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am once again joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, the great Nathan Yonke, to recap another wild week in the world of the NFL. Nate, how are you on this fine Monday morning? I am doing well. We had a great day for the NFL yesterday. Had four matchups throughout the day with teams with winning records that were all fairly good games. And then along with that, a couple of games where teams that are right around 500 had some nice shootouts. So it was a very fun day of football. And then you throw in the bye weeks and fewer players to write about in the waiver wire. So I got more sleep than I've gotten all season on a Sunday night. So I'm the most well-rested I've been for one of these top 10 recaps. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, we love to see that. And and hopefully uh, you could continue to get rest. We need you here, Nate. So um, I appreciate uh, the NFL giving you a little bit of a break this week. And, and hopefully that continues a little bit. But yeah, it was another crazy week. Some fun games, some blowouts as well as usual injuries, all that fun stuff. And we're going to go over some of the, the top takeaways from um, this past week. Uh, again, not necessarily going over every single game. You have all of those up on your um, game by game recaps up on the website on pff.com for free right now so again if there's something that we don't cover today that people were hoping to hear about or read about um, you can check that out on pff.com uh, Nate has all the games up there but we're going to go over the top takeaways I'm excited to get into it um, but before we do I want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor Fabric by Gerber Life Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist and the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future starting with life insurance Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Nate, let's start things off in Baltimore to appease all the PFF Ravens fans. Shout out Gordon and Beckett, uh, where Gus Edwards may have scored two touchdowns, but even more impressive than that was the 2023 rookie UDFA out of East Carolina. Keaton Mitchell takes nine carries for 138 rushing yards at a touchdown in this one. Nate, how did the Baltimore backfield shake out this week to let Keaton Mitchell emerge? Uh, yeah, Mitchell, the only 100-yard rusher of the week so far. So he definitely had a good game uh, going back a little bit, telling his backstory since plenty of people probably haven't even heard of Keaton Mitchell. Uh, undrafted free agent, uh, was a lot of buzz in training camp about him, uh, was playing very well, did graded well in the preseason, then suffered an injury, which cost him the first month or so of his season. Uh, came back, was eased into action, played two offensive snaps two weeks ago, uh, suffered a hamstring injury, so was out for another game. Um, so fast forward to this game, we started off with a pretty typical split between Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. Played roughly 50-50 snaps, but typically when Edwards is on the field, he touches the ball more often where Hill, when he's on the field, it's more often going to be a pass play. 
Uh, but then in the second quarter, Mitchell started to see more playing time, uh, played very well, uh, broke a long run, had a couple other good runs in there as well, leading to 100 yards, plus scored the touchdown in there. And it was kind of odd to see Gus Edwards um, play a lot in the first quarter, but then didn't really play much over the rest of the game. Um, I know he was or had been on the injury report recently, at least. Uh, and I know he was at the start of this past week. So I don't know if uh, they were just being cautious, especially since they had a lead, but he was kind of phased out of the offense. And then in the fourth quarter, the the Ravens had a big enough lead that they started putting in their backups. Lamar Jackson didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. I don't think Zay Flowers did. Mark Andrews only had one snap. And so typically I would have thought this would be a perfect time to get Mitchell even more opportunities. Um, instead, it was Justice Hill who played all but two snaps in the fourth quarter, and that's where Justice Hill was getting all of his carries from. So it was Hill that was the garbage time running back rather than Mitchell. So that was kind of interesting to see. So going forward, I think he's definitely the top waiver wire ad. We'll go over all of this again tomorrow. But he's someone where he might not be good to be in your fantasy starting lineup next week because the Ravens have three running backs, but Mitchell graded very well and could very well be the best running back in Baltimore, especially with Gus Edwards having played so much early in the season, they might want to phase back his snaps a little bit. So I think Mitchell could be someone who emerges as the top running back in Baltimore. So you're picking him up, not necessarily because he's going to be a consistent fantasy starter, going forward, but because he has that potential to be a top 15 fantasy running back down the stretch uh, with the Ravens offense and how well he's been playing. Yeah, really interesting stuff there in their usage. And, and yeah, I guess that was the thing that stood out to me as well was that Justice Hill was getting the garbage time snaps, right? Because at first I thought, oh, Justin Hill, Justice Hill played a ton and how stable is Keaton Mitchell's playing time going to be? But nice to see him kind of get the rest treatment with the rest of the starters there. It'll be interesting to kind of see how uh, the, the usage shakes out in a closer game, but definitely intrigued with uh, with Keaton Mitchell for sure. Um Okay, moving to Alvin Kamara, who has been trending in the wrong direction over the past couple of weeks. Nate, um, he did do enough to hit our prize picks call from Tuesday last week, but probably not enough to appease fantasy managers as he finished with just 26 rushing yards and 44 receiving yards. Um, Jamal Williams and, and Kendry Miller got some work as well. So how much did they cut into uh, Kamara's playing time uh, this week? Oh, yeah, Kamara, I had him as a sell high in my five to add, five to drop, five to buy low, five to sell high last week. Since we are starting to see the running backs get more involved, both Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller, the fact that both of them are seeing playing time isn't great. And Williams in particular was seeing the majority of the third down snaps. And when you think of Kamara throughout his career, he started his career as a third down back um, known for his receiving. And that's kind of what's carried him over these uh, first couple weeks since his suspension is he's had a ridiculously high uh, target rate so he didn't really have that in this game uh, so the playing time was down that meant his carries were down but along with the other running backs taking playing time the Saints have been using Taysom Hill more at quarterback these past two weeks than they have in previous weeks uh, was lined up at quarterback 12 times in this game and ended up running the ball on 11 of those 12 plays 
and Hill has been the more effective runner for the team so far this season. Uh, Kamara's been given opportunities, but he's averaged 3.7 yards per carry or less in each of his last five games. So it hasn't been great for him as a runner. It wouldn't be surprising if Hill continues to see carries, if some of the other running backs also get more opportunities, which means Kamara is probably more of a receiving back, even though he's not getting third downs. And then if you look ahead to the Saints schedule, uh, they have the third easiest schedule over the rest of the season. The only teams they face with a winning record are the Minnesota Vikings at five and four, which had been up and down throughout the season. And then they face the Detroit Lions, who are six and two. So the Lions will be a tough matchup. But outside of that, it's a lot of division games, games against teams with losing records where the Saints could be playing with the lead and not needing to pass too much late in the game. So that's probably not going to be the best game scripts for Kamara's fantasy value going forward either. So it will be interesting to see if his usage starts to change, if Taysom Hill um, starts to play less at quarterback and more at tight end. But Hill, he's been interesting playing both tight end and being a runner at quarterback early in the season, it was kind of understandable with the injuries and suspension they had at running back, the injuries they've had at tight end. But in this game, all of the running backs came in healthy. All of the tight ends started the game healthy and Hill still saw this much playing time. So it doesn't seem like Hill is going to be going away anytime soon. Yeah, definitely um, concerning stuff there for Alvin Kamara, especially in those like half PPR, non PPR leagues, especially um, it could definitely hurt his value quite a bit here uh, that if that usage continues. So um yeah, from a veteran running back uh, whose role has been declining to one who is on the rise now after being limited in recent weeks. Uh, Aaron Jones of the Green Bay Packers gets double-digit carries in this game uh, for the first time all year and then gets all the way to 20 carries, which led to 73 rushing yards and a touchdown. Uh, he also added 26 receiving yards on four catches and six targets. Nate, uh, the touches were there for Aaron Jones. Did the snaps line up um, for this to, to allow for Aaron Jones? to be trustworthy on a weekly basis going forward oh yeah the snaps were definitely in the right direction probably his best game in roughly a calendar year since late last season he was also dealing with a bit of injury issues so it's been roughly 12 months since we saw aaron jones play as much as we kind of remember him playing but this is first time he reached 20 carries in about a year also one of his best receiving games in terms of targets and receptions uh, he also did pretty well last week but hasn't exceeded how he did in this game since week 11 of last year and then uh take into account the packers had a lead in this game late in the game we're starting to use aj Dillon a little bit more um emmanuel wilson came in for a little bit late in the game as well so it was he could have very well seen more playing time if this was a more competitive game um, didn't play as good as we remember him playing, only averaged, I think it was 3.7 yards per carry or something like that. But even with the low yards per carry, it was good to see him get the ball so much and them rely on him so much in the offense. And there were trade rumors that the Packers were looking for a running back. Nothing happened with that. So uh, Jones should be pretty trustworthy over the rest of the season, given how much they relied on him, as long as he can stay healthy. And hopefully he can get even closer to 100% and we can start seeing the player that he was earlier in his career where he was averaging five yards per carry a lot of the time and being a big part of the Packers offense that way. 
Yeah, for sure. We got a taste of it this season. I guess it was week one. He had that that RB1 finish, right? And then, yeah, it, nice to see him kind of get, uh, should be inside the top 10 by the time the week's done, um, depending on what Eckler and, and Brees Hall do tonight. But um, a, another strong game for, for Aaron Jones, at least production-wise. So we like to see that. Um, all right, from one running back in the NFC North who had 20 carries this week to another running back in the NFC North that also had 20 carries this week. Uh, Nate, Deontay Foreman dominated the backfield touches in this one, but what did the usage look like there in Chicago? Typically in Chicago, we see a pretty clean split and early down snaps between two running backs. So in this game, Foreman saw the clear majority of snaps on early down. So this was a bit different than what we typically see out of Chicago. Also dominated the short yarded situations. And then Roshan Johnson uh, took the two minute drill snaps and pretty well dominated third down. So this was a little bit more what you expect to see out of a traditional backfield where there's one guy who's an early down back, one guy who's a late down back. So a little bit different than what we've typically seen out of Chicago and pretty noteworthy because Cleo Herbert is eligible to return to the team this week. And before I had previously been thinking that Foreman, even though he's played well at times in the run game, might go back to being inactive each week because he's not used much on passing downs and because Roshan Johnson is capable of being that backup early down back but considering Johnson only ran the ball twice in this game compared to 20 by Foreman it seems like they are pretty happy with Foreman over Johnson as a runner that Foreman might be the backup early down back uh as early as next week and then Johnson might be competing with Herbert for playing time on third down so not great news for Johnson in general who's been a pretty consistent player in our waiver wire uh podcast so we might not see Johnson get that opportunity to run the ball that much over the rest of the season. We might see Herbert not get as much playing time as we'd like, considering how well Foreman's played. It just completely depends on how well Herbert is able to return from his injury and how much uh, they like Herbert over Foreman once Herbert is fully healthy again. Yeah, like you said, Herbert eligible to return next week. We'll see kind of what happens there. I can't imagine that they'd put him right into like a, his full-time role or whatever it was before his injury, right, that he was leading the backfield there in, in touches. But, yeah, it, it, I, I don't know. It could be a very messy situation here in Chicago. We'll see how things kind of shake out with uh, Deontay Foreman, Roshan Johnson, Khalil Herbert, um, and, and company over there, Darrington Evans as well. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a good one to, to note here for sure. Um all right, Nate, let's head to one more running back situation. And this one in Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss. And one that I think a lot of us, uh, Kate and I included on the Thursday preview show, expected maybe more from these guys production-wise or, or at least efficiency-wise in a great matchup for running backs going against the Carolina Panthers. We did see Taylor get in the end zone at least, so that was nice. But how did the Colts' backfield shake out this week? Uh, we've seen Taylor's slowly but surely break away from Moss as the lead running back in Indianapolis. His playing time has been on the rise by roughly 10% each of the last couple games. So at this point, Taylor is the clear top running back in Indianapolis. Uh, this playing time is pretty consistent with what we saw uh, two years ago, as well as the start of the 2022 season. 
I know at times both early in his career as well as uh, in the middle of last year before he suffered more injuries, he was playing upwards of 90% of offensive snaps. So not quite there yet, and I don't know if he will get there. But it was still good to see him get so many uh, carries and touches in this game. Uh, wasn't all that efficient, averaged 2.6 yards per carry. but And that was also concerning, like you said, going up against the Panthers defense, who has allowed a ton of rushing yards each week. So ideally would like to see the run game be going better for Indianapolis. But the fact that Taylor is seeing so much playing time means he has that potential to be a top 10 fantasy running back again. And we've also reached the point with Moss where I was comfortable starting Moss this past week because of the matchup and because I didn't think Taylor would see this big of an increase in playing time this past week. But now Moss, um, he can be kept on rosters in some leagues as a handcuff, but no longer has that standalone value where you can put him in your starting lineup unless something were to happen to Taylor. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And yeah, the, the, the efficiency was definitely a concern. I think it was uh, 2.6 yards per carry for Taylor in this game against the Panthers. We would have expected more, but he did have 7.9 yards per carry last week. So it's not like he's been consistently inefficient or anything like that. He, we know that he's capable of those big games and, and obviously the volume being there is the main thing. So we love to see that for him. Um, so yeah, uh, and then yeah, Zach Moss, unfortunately, probably not going to be in many more starting lineups going forward, but I, I'm with you. I think still worth holding because he has been good in that role. So we'll see um, if uh, if he gets any more use at all for the rest of this season. Um, all right, before we go on to some wide receivers, let's do a quick ad break from our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a skill based, real money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection, uh, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. So, Nate. Uh, we got a couple picks here. I, I mentioned that we hit our Alvin Kamara over receiving yards last week, um, but we're going to it again here for Monday Night Football, uh, Chargers and Jets. And I'm going with I'm going on the defensive side of things this week um, to, to switch it up a little bit, to have some fun here and see if we can get Joey Bosa over 0.25 sacks. So he only needs a half sack in this game going against Max Mitchell at right tackle. Mitchell's allowed two sacks in his last two starts, 54.9 pass blocking grade on the year. Zach Wilson, 20.7% uh, pressure to sack conversion rate is high. Bosa, not the best year for him, 70.9 pass rush grade, but he does take advantage of good matchups. He did have his best game of the of the year last week versus Chicago, where he got five pressures and a sack, a 79.0 pass rush grade. He's got four sacks on the year, only needs a half sack in this one. I'm going with Joey Bosa over 0.25 sacks. How about you? I'll have Brees Hall with more than 20.5 receiving yards. Hopefully Bosa is getting that pressure and gets that sack at some point, but also is pressuring allowing Zach Wilson to dump the ball off to Brees Hall at times. Um, Hall, he's been getting more involved in the passing game these last couple weeks, has run more than 20 routes each of the past two games, which has led to more receiving work, uh, 54 yards and 76 yards these last two weeks. So it's been great to see him get more involved in the passing game and more involved in the offense in general, but also going up against the Chargers defense. Uh, Chargers top five in receiving yards allowed to running backs this season. Over the past five games they've played, they've allowed six different running backs to reach at least 21 receiving yards. It was Kansas City two weeks ago with Isaiah Pacheco and Jer 
McKinnon, who both saw uh, receiving yards in the 20s, so very consistently allowing at least one running back to reach at least 21 receiving yards. So I think Hall should be able to, and the game script will should be a pretty close game, so one where the Jets are throwing the ball plenty. So I expect Hall to have a fine game in the run game as well, but I also think he will get over 20.5 receiving yards. Nice. I like it. All right. At prize picks, you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Go to prizepicks.com slash PFF fantasy and use code PFF fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash PFF fantasy and use code PFF fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, let's talk about some wide receivers now and start with the Rams and not with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, who both saw seven targets, but neither cracked 50 yards. But the other Rams receiver who saw seven targets and also didn't come close to 50 yards. Tutu Atwell, Nate, what did the usage look like for Mr. Atwell to make the list today? Uh, It was a bit concerning. They started to rotate him out a little bit more, which is something I thought could happen once we saw a Cooper Cup return and thought it might be Atwell and Van Jefferson rotating, but this week it was Atwell and then Ben Skronik, who started playing more in 11 personnel. Um, so that wasn't great to see. And the Rams, uh, typically a team that uses 11 personnel over 90% of the time, which is why we would even consider Atwell in the first place because all three wide receivers were on the field so much, but they started using 12 personnel more often. Uh, that also meant slight decreases in playing time for Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua as well. Not nearly as extreme as Atwell because he was rotating out, but when they were in 12 personnel, which was often a run formation for them, it was Garanik and Demarcus Robinson on the field. So plenty of times when teams have run formations, it's not surprising to see them use different wide receivers who might be better as run blockers, but it's not as common in 12 personnel. So a little surprising to see in general out of Los Angeles and Atwell is just someone who started the season so strong, 17 receptions for 246 yards. It seemed like he'd still be able to have some production over the course of the season with the Rams, but he's been held under 33 receiving yards in each of the last six games. So it was starting to get time just based on his production to probably drop him from fantasy rosters. But this decrease in playing time uh, makes it pretty clear that it's going, he's going to be pretty unreliable going forward in terms of fantasy production. Yeah, not ideal um, there for Tutu Atwell. Um, The Rams do get a bye next week as well. Hopefully maybe gives Matthew Stafford some extra time to heal as well. We'll see where he's at um, after the bye and maybe that, you know, allows this Rams offense to kind of get back to clicking the way they were. But yeah, definitely concerning in the playing time for Tutu Atwell for sure. Um, All right, moving on to Germany, where we go to see the Chiefs and the Dolphins faced off on Sunday morning. Uh, For those watching, probably noticed that Jalen Waddell seemed to hurt his knee very early in the game. Uh, He did come back but was noticeably not 100% Nate um, and didn't seem to get his full compliments uh, compliment of snaps from that point on either, right? Oh, yeah. He typically plays roughly around 75% of offensive snaps, which is a little low for a star wide receiver. But Miami, uh, they've been doing this the past couple of years where they just rotate their wide receivers out more often, especially in run formations, which helps the Dolphins wide receivers efficiency, but just doesn't give them quite as many snaps or routes run. But he was closer to about 50% of offensive snaps in this game, rotating in and out with Cedric Wilson. 
And oftentimes I, we don't really cover injuries a ton on this top 10 recap, just because it very well could be that the player is healthy and ready to go again in a week from now. But in this case, Waddle, uh, this has happened two of the past three games where he's missed significant playing time. And then also it was interesting to note his replacement, Cedric Wilson, uh, also started to see more playing time over Braxton Berrios and 11 personnel as well. So it, this seems to be a little bit of a change at wide receiver where Barrios was very consistently playing in 11 personnel over the first eight weeks of the season was playing at least 94% of offensive snaps in that personnel grouping. And then basically never playing in any of the other personnel groupings, but he only played in 45% of 11 personnel snaps in this game with Wilson taking a lot of those snaps. So this seems like a case where Wilson, who had a fairly disappointing first year in Miami, was inactive at times and just not seeing a lot of work after getting this really big contract. After leaving Dallas, it seems like he's finally worked his way up to being the clear number three wide receiver in Miami. So Wilson is someone who could have fantasy value going forward just because this Dolphins offense is so high scoring most of the time when they're not playing Kansas City that there's a chance he could emerge as a clear third receiver in targets and Miami doesn't have much of a receiving game at tight end. So even though they have two star wide receivers, there's a chance a third one could be relevant. And then when you also consider Waddle's recent injury history, there's a chance that Wilson could be the number two receiver for Miami for a little bit of time at some point this season. So Wilson, someone that I just thought was kind of buried on the depth chart, rotating with a lot of other veteran receivers. They have Robbie Anderson, who's been inactive. They have, they traded for Chase Claypool, who's still the number five wide receiver on the depth chart and River Crawcraft should be coming back from injury sooner rather than later. But I think Wilson has at this point pretty well emerged as one of the top receivers in Miami. Yeah, and I think that's important too. And then for Waddle's sake, you know, it, it is a good thing that their team is going to be on a bye week next week. So it gives him another, he's another one of those players that could potentially kind of um, heal a, a little bit longer. It's, it's good timing for his sake and hopefully, you know, gets back to that full playing time. We'll see how things look coming out of the bye uh, for Miami in week 11. But like you said, Cedric Wilson's role kind of growing there and then there could be potential in a high powered offense for sure. Um, all right. Another offense of interest, and it is our weekly Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver update. And again, more positive news here, which is good for, for the Kansas City wide receivers and for Rashi Rice fans like ourselves here. Uh, Nate, what did Rashi Rice's role look like this week for the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, I almost took this one out because we've talked about Kansas City so often, but it was between this and a wide receiver that we'll be talking about tomorrow in the waiver wire article. So I figured let's have some variety in what we're talking about, even though we've talked about Kansas City every week. So we saw Rasheed Rice's role continue to increase. Uh, this was probably the game where the Kansas City wide receivers looked more, most like a normal team in terms of having some clear top receivers and some clear backup receivers rather than just everyone rotating in and out a ton. We saw Rice play his highest percentage of playing time that he's seen in his NFL career. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Justin Watson both were playing the clear majority of offensive snaps as well. Um, this led to Sky Moore, who was very consistently seeing at least 50% of offensive snaps. Uh, his playing time 
plummeted in this game, even though he did have some nice plays. And then Mikol Hartman, who saw a pretty sizable increase in snaps last week, went back down this week. And Kadarius Tony, still the clear sixth wide receiver, no longer getting as much playing time as he was. And before, when he was on the field, he was getting the ball at least 30% of the time. And now he's not getting the ball as much when he's on the field. So Tony pretty clearly out of the Kansas city rotation. Um, So Rasheed Rice, even though he didn't put up the biggest numbers in this game, I'm probably trusting him more than I have in the past. And he's starting to see that playing time where you can really start to trust him in your fantasy lineup more often compared to what we were seeing before, where it was a bit iffy and he needed to see a 30% target share and do well on those targets in order to have him in your lineup. But now he just needs a 20 to 25% target share and do well on those targets in order for him to be a comfortable starter starters so this has been great to see and his playing time could continue to rise it's been going up each of the past five games so it could continue to go up little by little yeah i'm excited uh let, let's you know the the chiefs are on a bye week as well next week so let's get that post bye week rookie bump for for rushy rice here and again we could we could continue to trust him in starting lineup he's been nothing if not efficient, right? So did have the the lower target rate this week, like you said, at nine and a half percent, but still found the end zone at 23.9% target rate on the year, obviously staying over 20% on a higher snap share. That would be a massive boost to his fantasy value. So we continue to hope uh, for Rashi Rice, which is uh, definitely the goal here as uh, we need a wide receiver to emerge in Kansas City. Um, all right, another rookie wide receiver and a relatively new name to talk about as well. Uh, Cedric Tillman of the Cleveland Browns becomes one to watch here, Nate. Uh, after the team traded Donovan Peoples-Jones at the trade deadline, what did Cedric Tillman's usage look like um, it, it, this week? Uh, yeah, we had a relatively quiet trade deadline, which was disappointing for fantasy purposes for the most part. But we did see Peoples-Jones, who was seeing a clear majority of offensive snaps, leave and kind of open the door for Tillman to become the starter. Uh, there had been some thought that Marquise Goodwin, who was playing a bit in place of Donovan Peoples-Jones, I thought Goodwin could see more playing time, but it was Tillman who very clearly took the role almost completely Goodwin still took a couple snaps here and there before suffering a concussion at the end of the third quarter. But Tillman was playing a lot, both in 11 personnel, but also 11 of 13 snaps in 12 personnel. It was not Elijah Moore who saw an increase from this trade. It was completely Tillman and the backups uh, probably worth noting David Bell, who was uh, their other backup wide receiver was inactive with a knee injury. So there's a chance that Bell will rotate in or potentially even be the starter over Tillman once Bell is healthy again, considering Tillman was inactive the past couple of weeks, which was a little surprising. So we'll be interesting to see what Cleveland does with this wide receiver spot going forward. But if it is Tillman, he is a third round rookie wide receiver that we just haven't seen too much of so far this year. And basically every other wide receiver that was picked in the third round has had huge seasons so far this season. Uh, Tank Dell, Michael Wilson, uh, Josh Downs. So Tillman was drafted right around all those players. So maybe he is as good as some of those other players are. So possibility that he adds something to the Cleveland offense going forward. Plus, Cleveland had to be comfortable enough to trade away Peoples Jones with their backup wide receivers. So that's also a good sign for Tillman going forward. Yeah. 
for sure. I definitely like what you said there. Yeah, about them trading Peoples Jones. That that is a little bit telling. I know that Tillman only had the one catch for three yards in this game, but um, there's at least potential there that uh, he continues to get more involved if they they feel good about him. And still a rookie, so could emerge here in the latter half of the season. Um, okay, and last but not least, we only have one tight end to talk about this week, but it's a good one as Dalton Schultz of the Houston Texans delivers a tight end one week with 11 targets, 10 receptions, 130 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Nate, we've talked a fair bit about Schultz's playing time this year from uh, the preseason and into the regular season. So how are we feeling about his role after this week's game? Uh, feeling fairly good about it, especially with how well Houston's offense played in general of uh, the five touchdown performance and Schultz was a big part of that with over 100 yards and a touchdown on his own. But his playing time has increased a bit these past two weeks due to injuries to the other tight ends. Uh, Tegan Quatoriano uh, landed on injured reserve this past week, so he will miss at least the next three games. And that's been the biggest one for him because Schultz has fairly consistently played in 11 personnel all season, but was rarely playing in 21 personnel. Uh, played 17% of 21 personnel snaps leading up to this week, so over the first eight weeks of the season. And Houston runs a lot of 21 personnel because they want to run the ball if they have a lead and have a tight end on the field or tight end and they fall back on the field that are more run blockers. But because of the injury to Tegan, uh, Dalton Schultz uh, played 14 of a possible 19 snaps in 21 personnel. So that meant more playing time for him. I uh, had 2.3 yards per route run out of his routes out of 21 personnel. So that did help his receiving production in this game. And especially in games where Houston has more of a lead, it means Schultz will be on the field a lot more. Um, his playing time dipped as low as 50% of offensive snaps earlier in the season when Houston was having better games and were in more run formation. So at least for the next couple of weeks, that's good news for Schultz. Also worth noting their third string tight end, Brevin Jordan, who is more of a backup receiving tight end, also has missed the last two weeks with a foot injury, so that also helps Schultz playing time. I don't expect Jordan to cut into Schultz's playing time over these next few weeks too much. So I think Schultz, who's been a borderline fantasy starter, has been capable of having huge games, but also quiet games. I think at least over the month of November, he should be a bit more reliable. Yeah, definitely a good sign there. Big day for him. Big role as well. And then, yeah, he he did. He had that three-game stretch from, I guess, like weeks four to six where he was like the PPR tight end two over those three weeks behind only Travis Kelsey. Um, obviously, we still had the concerns about playing time. So th this was definitely good to see for a player that, um, yeah, Stroud clearly wants to target. I think he's currently eighth among tight ends um, who have run at least 100 routes in target rate at 20.7% um, this season. So definitely good stuff there for Dalton. And Schultz, and like you said, because of the injuries at the position, uh, we could be trusting him much more consistently in uh, in the weeks ahead. So, good stuff. Um, but yeah, that that's going to do it for our weekly recap. Uh, again, if there was something um, that you guys hoped that we covered from yesterday's games but didn't, you can surely find it on pff.com in Nate's game by game write ups. You can go check out those now on pff.com for free. Um, Nate, what else do you have up for the fine folks on the site today? 
Oh, yeah, have the recap to every game, like you mentioned. And well, mentioned this week, probably more so than most weeks, there were a couple of things that are pretty significant news items, but they were more straightforward of this guy was out, so this guy replaced him. Uh, less little details to talk about, like we like talking about on this show. So still worth checking that out and catching those kind of bigger pieces of news as well. I uh, have the waiver wire article that went out that we will be discussing tomorrow. Uh, we'll be writing the five to add, five to drop, five to buy low, five to sell high. That'll be going up tomorrow. Rest of season rankings up tomorrow. And then hopefully after all the fun games of football we've had so far this week, uh, close out with the Jets and Chargers tonight, which should be a good game. And we'll have that recap out immediately after that game. Yeah, looking forward to that one. Um, thank you, Nate, for, for going through it all with us here. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to the PFF Fantasy YouTube channel. Also, a huge thank you to the PFF Data Collection team for crushing another weekend of football so we can bring you the best football data in the multiverse. We will be back tomorrow, like Nate said, talking about waiver wire targets. So good luck with your Monday night football matchups tonight. And until next time, peace out.